Let's everyone stand, please. Trust and obey. And let's everybody turn it loose right off the bat. Don't wait to get round up. Just get your mouth open and let's turn it loose all together now. When we walk with the Lord in the light of his word, what a glory he sheds on our Not a shadow can rise, not a cloud in the sky, but a smile quickly drives it away. Not a doubt nor a fear, not a sigh nor a tear can abide while we trust and obey. Trust and obey. Let's turn around and fellowship one with another. Say 
I'm glad we can trust the Lord. Amen? And He is worthy to be obeyed. Let's pray and ask the Lord to bless the service tonight and open our hearts to His Word. Let's pray for all the activities going on tonight, Awana, and for the teenagers in their midweek service and, of course, in here that the Lord will touch us. Let's pray together tonight. Charles Shaver, if you would, lead us, please. Yes. Yes. Yes, yes. Yes, Lord. Yes. Amen. Let's continue to sing. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus.
Jesus, how I trust Him, how I prove Him o'er and o'er. Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, of our grace to trust him more. Thank you. You may be seated. Let's let our ushers come forward to receive our offering. I remind you every Wednesday night that your giving on Wednesday night supports our Bible conference in the fall. So let me encourage all of you to give tonight. Thank you so much for praying for us. The Lord gave us a blessed, blessed time. I tell you, it was just a wonderful, wonderful uh, week. I was at Emmanuel Baptist Church in San Jose. And of course, this church is the mother church of Emmanuel. And we started out this church 30 years ago, Bill and Cindy Murdoch, of course, members here. And it was their 30th anniversary. And so they had invited me a couple years ago to be there for their 30th anniversary. And uh, it, was a, it was a special time. I'm going to have to get used to preaching tonight. I had to preach through, uh, they call it an interpreter. I call it an interrupter, amen? But all I could do was say a sentence and then they, Brother Bill would translate it for me and whatever like that. But uh, it was just a great week of ministry. I, I've never been anywhere where I enjoyed uh, what God was doing and things. We had people saved and Sunday there's over 600 folk there and and we had about 300 every night. It's just a real blessing. It increased my appreciation, not just for missions, but for our own missionaries. I, I left coming back after being there. And, and, of course, the church is now pastored by a national pastor, uh, a fellow by the name of Oscar. And what his last name is, I still have not learned how to pronounce it. But uh, sweet fellow. I had a great time with him. He couldn't speak a word of English. I couldn't speak a word of Spanish. But we really had a good time together. And just smiling at each other, he'd say something, and I don't know if he's talking bad about me or not, but we just, we had a great time. But uh, it, it increased my appreciation for our own missionaries here at Temple Baptist. We are, we are very blessed of the Lord, the missionaries that God has entrusted us with. And Bill and Cindy and Jim and Jan, Frankie and Paula and, and all the others. Uh, just a real blessing. And uh, it would, I, would, I thought about so many of you, I wish you could have been there and you would have seen what your mission giving through the years has uh, produced and what it is doing. And if I've ever been thankful for this church, uh, this week, uh, the last week really made me appreciate what you do for missions. And to see people there, uh, of course, been their anniversary, they did a lot of special things. I spoke six times. They did a special thing one night, a cantata with the choir and all their musicians. A lot of preachers come back in that are national pastors that got saved in Emmanuel, now out and churches and different things and uh, so many would walk up and speak to me in fact I was looking in my Bible this af uh, afternoon I got it's full of notes that people gave me of course it's all written in Spanish I don't know what they were saying to me and uh, but it made me appreciate you and your giving and uh, it would have been a blessing to you to uh, uh, been there in fact they have asked me to come back and do their conference in 2004 and they want us to bring a group back this time so we're going to take uh, several of you back in February 2004 to be there for their conference again and you'll get a real blessing in that but it was just a real blessing I thank the Lord for it and just to see people that are saved 
one night there was uh, about four sisters they came up to Cindy and they were all in tears and they were thanking Bill and Cindy for coming to Costa Rica and they would have never been saved if it hadn't been for them and all of that goes back to your faithfulness and to your giving and so we're blessed but I've, I've asked the pastor and uh, several of the folk from Emmanuel to be with us on our mission Sunday in, in November so I'm going to bring them up here and we're going to make a special day and build it around some of the folks from Emmanuel. We're going to fly them up here and let them be in our service where you can meet them and see the fruit of your own giving. There it is a blessing. But I do appreciate you praying. We had a good time. The Lord gave us good health. I didn't do a lot of sightseeing or whatever. Took it easy during the day and preached at night. But uh, the Lord just really gave us a great time. But I appreciate you praying and, and asking the Lord to bless because he really did. It was just a great week of ministry. Let's pray now and you give tonight. Father, we thank you for all the opportunities you give us to serve you. And you give us all opportunities, different kinds of opportunities, but every one of them is a great opportunity. And I thank you for it. I thank you, Lord, for this church. I thank you, Lord, for its giving through the years and the hundreds, yea, thousands of people that will be in heaven one day because of our part and missions. Thank you for our own missionaries here out of this church and the works they are doing and for the churches that exist out of this church, literally around the world. We thank you for them. We ask you now to bless the giving tonight for our conference and open our hearts to all the things you have for us tonight. We'll thank you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.
Take your Bible and turn to the book of James chapter 4. James chapter 4. And one of the greatest lessons we can ever learn in our life is to trust the Lord at all times. Amen. James 4. Let's stand as we honor the reading of His Word. I want us to look at verse 11 and verse 12 tonight. And I want us to think about this thought. This is a thought that came to my mind as I meditated on these two verses. Who made you God? Who made you God? I think you'll understand that in just a moment. But let's look at verse 11, verse 12 of James chapter 4. The Bible said, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgest another? Thank you. you. may be seated. Let's pray. And we'll look at these two verses tonight. Hope you have your little brochure that you can follow and fill in the blanks there to help you to remember and to retain what you hear a little better. Follow us. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. What a blessed, blessed book this is. What power is in your word. Power to change lives. Power to convert. Power to transform us. Power to conform us. And so we come tonight. We ask you now that you might bless your word and that you might open your word to our understanding. Let us grow. Let us grow spiritually from what we learn from your word tonight. You are the author of the book. Therefore, you must be the interpreter of the book and you are the one that must apply the word to our hearts. So, Father, use your word tonight as you intend for your word to be used. And we'll thank you and praise you for it's in Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. I think about a story that I read in one of John MacArthur's commentaries a number of years ago that I have never forgotten. And his look, on his commentary in the book of James, he tells the story of a happy little family that lived in a small town in North Dakota. A happy family. Each evening, the neighbors saw the husband and the father being greeted at the great gate by his wife and his two small children. Whenever the weather was nice, they would see the father and the children playing in the yard while the mother and the wife looked on with a smiling face. But one day, a gossip started a story about this husband and this father. It was a story that the man was being unfaithful to his wife. It was a story that was entirely without foundation. But eventually, the wife heard about the story or the, the eventually it came to the ears of the wife. And it was more than this wife could bear. As you can imagine, she was devastated and she took it very hard. That night when the husband came home, there was no one to meet him at the gate. There was no happy children or smiling wife to greet him when he walked into the house. There was no happy sounds in the house or fragrant aroma from the kitchen to greet him, only coldness and something that chilled his heart with fear. He found his family, the three of them in the basement hanging from a beam. In despair, reason left its throne and the young mother had taken the lives of her two children and then taken her own, lives, own life. In the days that followed, the truth of what happened came out a terrible tragedy caused by a gossiper's tongue and an untrue story that was spread. 
I read that story and I think about that story. It reminds me of what gossip can do and it reminds me of what slander can do. If you've been with us on Wednesday nights, you know that one of the major themes of the book of James is the wrong use of the tongue. We have seen in our past studies that James has much to say about the use of the tongue. For example, chapter 1, verse 19, James told us to be slow to speak. We're to be swift to hear, but we're to be slow to speak. In a strong rebuke in chapter 1, verse 26, he said, If any man among you seem to be religious and bridleth not his own tongue, that man's religion is vain. He said in chapter 2, verse 12, So speak ye, and so do as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. He said, whatever you say, say it in light of the fact that one day you're going to be judged for what you say. In chapter 3, he devoted a large section to the danger of the tongue and the damage that the tongue can cause. He spoke of the tongue in verse 6 as being set on fire of hell and even said it's an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Now in chapter 4, he addresses the subject of the tongue again. And he deals specifically with the matter of slander. That is tearing people down, putting people down with our words. And when I think about the matter of slander, I think about Noah Webster's 1828 edition of his dictionary. And he gave this definition of slander. This is the 1828 edition. And this is the definition that was in that edition. Slander, a false tale or report maliciously uttered and tending, tending to injure the reputation of another by lessening him in the esteem of his fellow citizens, by exposing him to impeachment and punishment, or by impairing his means of living. That was the definition of slander in 1828. As the years have passed, the definition has been toned down considerably. And the 1975 edition of Webster's New Collegiate Dictionary, this is the definition that is given. Slander, the utterance of false charges or misrepresentations which defame and damage another's reputation. Now you have in those two definitions separated by many, many years, you have basically the same meaning. But the words maliciously uttered and tending to injure and lessening someone in the esteem of his fellow citizens are no longer there. And when I think about the change or the condensing and the revision of the definition of slander, it reminds me of how we don't always in our day view slander as it was viewed in other generations. It is true there is a law where one can sue for defamation of character. But as a whole, we don't take it very seriously when it comes to talking about people in a way that tears them down or puts them down. No, we are very good at disguising slander. We as Christians are good about clothing slander in respectable garments. We talk negative about others and we say things that injures another person's name or injures their character or lowers their esteem in someone else's eyes, but we clothe it in such sayings as, there's something I'm really concerned about I'd like to share with you. Or we say something, I'm not gossiping, but there's something that I want you to help me pray about. Or I'm not saying, don't want to talk bad about anybody, but there's something I think you need to know. And what we try to do and what we're really doing is John Calvin said, we are finally exalting ourselves Why? while tearing down others. What we do, we do it in such a way that it makes us look like we're so concerned and it makes us look like we're such a caring individual and that we're so spiritual 
when all the time it is nothing more than a way for us to spread gossip and to share rumors and less the person in the esteem of another individual. Well, I want to remind you tonight, when we look at what James has to say in James 2, 11 and 12, that James tells us that slander is a very serious matter. Now, it matters not what kind of garment we clothe it in. Slander is very serious in the eyes of God. And when you look at James 2, verse 11 and 12, it may make you think twice before you ever say anything else again about another person in a negative way. Are you with me tonight? Let's notice what the Bible said. Look at what James has to say. There are three things in which I'll bring out the text. The first one is this. When I look at what James had to say about slander, I see a behavior in that we are disparaging. Or to put it another way, we find someone speaking about another individual in a disparaging way. Look at verse 11 of our text, the first statement of verse 11. James says, Speak not evil one of another, brethren. Now, underscore the word speak not evil in verse 11 there. The word speak not evil come from a word, comes from a word that simply means to slander. Now, when James talks about speaking not evil of another, James is talking about slandering someone. It is a word that describes someone speaking of another person in a disparaging way with the intention of putting that person down. It is a word that describes the spirit of finding fault in someone else. Now, we've all met people that were always tearing people down and they were always putting people down or did it in maybe in a joking way or that it in a serious way, get with a little group of people and it wouldn't be long that the conversation would come up about somebody and they began to put them down and to tear them down. That's the ideal behind the matter of speaking not evil of one another. When I think about those who speak evil another or tear someone down, I think about a fellow that I read about one time that walked into Joe's barber shop for his regular haircut. Joe the barber was known for putting others down and putting things down, always critical of something. Well, Joe began to cut his hair and he asked the fellow, what's up? And the man said to him, he said, told him that he and his family were going on a vacation to Rome. And Joe said, Rome? Why would you want to go there? It's crowded. It's a dirty city full of crazy people. Why in the world would you want to go to Rome? And then Joe asked him how he was getting there. And the man said, I'm flying on TWA. And Joe said, TWA? That's a terrible airline. Their planes are old. Their flight attendants are ugly. And they're always late. Why would you fly TWA? Joe then asked where they were staying at. And the man said, we're staying at the downtown International Marriott. And Joe said, that dump? That's the worst hotel in the city. The rooms are small. The service is terrible. And the rooms are way overpriced. Why would you want to stay in that dump? And then in the course of the conversation, the man told them they were going to the Vatican. And they hoped to see the Pope. And Joe said, sure, you and a million other people. If you do see him, he'll look about the size of an ant. Well, the man went on to Rome, came back about a month later into Joe's barbershop for his haircut. And Joe said, how was your trip? He said, I bet TWA gave you the worst flight of your life. And the man said, no, it was quite the opposite. Not only were we on time in one, in one of their new planes, but it was full and they bumped us up to first class. And everything was so nice and the service was so excellent. Joe said, well, I bet the hotel was just like I described. The man said, no, it's quite the opposite. 
They had just finished a $25 million remodeling job. It's the finest hotel in Rome now. In fact, they were overbooked, so they apologized and gave us the presidential suite at no extra charge. Joe mumbled a bit and said, Well, I know you didn't get to see the Pope. And the man said, Actually, we were quite lucky. As we were touring the Vatican, a guard tapped me on the shoulder and explained that the Pope likes to meet personally some of the visitors occasionally, and if I would follow him. And so he led us in this private room, and in a few minutes the Pope came in and shook our hand. Joe said, Well, did he say anything to you? And the man said, Oh, not much really. He just asked me where I got such an awful haircut. Can I get an amen right there? Well, as I said, we've all met a few Joes. But I want you to notice what James has to say about the Joes of life, those that are always tearing down others and putting down others, slandering them. Notice what slander is. For one thing, I see in James's words that slander is a divisive behavior. When you talk about slander, you are talking about that which divides, not that which unites, but that which divides. For example, notice the emphasis that James places upon our relationship as brothers in the Lord in just verse 11. He says, speak not evil one of another, brethren. He also said, he that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother. In verse 11, three times, he refers to the relationship that we have one with another as that of brethren. Believers that are saved, that know Christ, he describes us as being brothers and sisters in Christ. We are a spiritual family. Now, because we're a family, we think about that which is to promote unity and fellowship and love among the family. But when you talk about slander, tearing someone down, putting someone down, lessening their esteem in the eyes of others, you're not talking about that which promotes harmony. You're not talking about that which promotes fellowship in the family, but instead you're talking about that which hinders and hurts our relationship with one another. Now, the Bible many, many times tells us how we're to respond to one another, but it never says slander one another. Fill in the blanks. I wrote down several verses there where the Bible admonishes us and our relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ. Romans 12, 10. There Paul said, be kindly affectioned one to another. And he also said in verse 10, preferring one another. In Romans 15, 7, he said, Receive ye one another. In Romans 15, 14, he says, Admonish one another. In Galatians 5, 13, he says, Serve one another. And Ephesians 4, 2, Forgiving one another. 1 Thessalonians 4, 9, he says to love one another. Many times the Bible said, love one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18, he says, comfort one another. And finally, 1 Thessalonians 5.11, and these are just a few, but he said in 1 Thessalonians 5.11, edify one another. Now you take all of these one another's of the Bible and they all suggest the effort and the aim of every believer to develop our relationship, not divide our relationship. But James says we are brothers. And when he talks about slander, he talks about that which is divisive, that which divides and hinders our relationship. But look at something else. When he talks about slander, he not only talks about a divisive behavior, but he also talks about a devilish behavior. And I go back to our last study. Chapter 4, verse 7, James stated, Resist the devil. 
Underscore the name devil, the word devil that is the given there in James 4 and verse 7. The word devil itself, you know what the name devil means? It simply means a slanderer. It speaks of one that is a false accuser. When you talk about the devil, when you mention the devil and you speak of him as the devil, you are actually saying you're talking about the slanderer. You're talking about the, the false accuser. Like Revelation 12, 10, the devil is called the accuser of the brethren. Now, James is talking about slander. And I don't believe that any person here tonight would consciously do the work of the devil. But when someone slanders and puts people down and speaks of another individual in a disparaging way, you are doing the work of the devil. Say amen. You haven't forgot to say amen since I've been gone, have you? You see, the devil is a slanderer. He is the author of slandering. And when we are guilty of slandering, we are simply acting like the devil. We are doing the work of the devil. I think about how Peter took the word devil, the word translated devil, and he used it twice in 1 Peter to describe how unbelievers talk about believers. For example, listen closely. 1 Peter 2, 12. Having your conversation honest among the Gentiles, that whereas they speak against you. The word speak against you is the same word translated devil in James 4, 7. They speak against you as evildoers. 1 Peter 3, 6, he said, having a good conscience that whereas they speak evil, same word of you as of evildoers. James or Peter said that unbelievers, they slander the believers, they talk about believers, they put the believers down. He said, he said unbelievers are always speaking disparagingly of a believer. In other words, what James is saying and what the Bible is teaching us that when we slander someone else, we're acting like we're not saved. And we're acting like we are children of the devil rather than children of God. James is talking about slandering others, speaking disparagingly of others, acting like, we're not, like we've never experienced the grace of God in our life and acting like the very devil himself. That's what slander is. Mark Littleton in his book wrote, we speak against our brothers and sisters when we complain about them, carry stories that make them look bad, judge their motives and condemn them. Anything that we say that tears them down instead of building them up is speaking against them. And he goes on and adds this statement, in such speech is one of the most common problems among Christians today. A problem among the church today, a problem among Christians today, absolutely. But yet, it should be one of the least of our problems. If there is anything that a believer should not be guilty of, it is speaking disparagingly of someone else. Why? Because it is divisive, and even worst of all, it is devilish. Remember this. The next time you are tempted to speak of somebody in a negative way, remember this. You're acting like you've never been saved and you're acting like you're a child of the devil. Can I get amen there? Look at the second thing he talks about. As he continues talking about slander, you not only see a behavior in that we are disparaging, but second of all, you see a behavior in that we are defiant. Now, James shows us the seriousness of slander by describing it as a defiant behavior on our part. Now, you say, well, it's, I just, I'm just, you know, I'm, it's what somebody said to me, and, and I just, I'm concerned, listen, I want you to listen to how serious slander is. 
When we talk about others and we tear down others, whenever we speak of others in a disparaging way, it reveals a defiant heart. Now you say, what do you mean? Follow me. For example, slander, for one thing, reveals our disregard for God's commands. When we speak disparagingly of another and we put someone down, tear them down, slander them, it is revealing our disregard for what God's law says. Look at verse 11. He continues by saying, He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother. Notice, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. Now James tells us that when we speak evil of others, we are conscious or unconscious in the same breath speaking evil of the law or the commands of God. He uses the same words. He said, he that speaketh evil, he that slanders his brother, slanders the law. He that judges his brother, judges the law. He says that whenever we speak disparagingly of, disparagingly of others, we are doing the same thing of the law of God. Now look at the word judging for a moment. He also adds there, judgeth his brother and judgeth the law. The word judgeth that he uses there is a word that means to condemn and to call in question a certain matter. Now you think about that for just a moment. He that slanders his brother slanders the law. And he that condemns his brother condemns the law. And he that condemns the law calls into question the law and calls into question his brother. In other words, when we're talking about someone else and putting them down, we are really calling into question their character. We're calling into question their name. We're calling into question their integrity. And we're saying, well, it's just a rumor, whatever. We're calling into question what kind of person that is in the same breath we are calling into question the law of God. Now, here's one of the things that makes slander so serious. When we talk about others behind their back, the old timers, uh, the old English writers use the term backbite. We talk about speaking behind someone's back. The term backbite came from the ideal of speaking behind their back, that is, speaking about them in their absence, talking about them, tearing them down. One of the things that is so serious about backbiting one of the things that is so serious about tearing someone down, slandering them, is that it shows our complete disregard of the commandments of God. In other words, when we tear someone down, in essence what we're saying is, I'm not bound by God's command. When we tear someone down and put them down, we are saying that particular command does not apply to me. And in reality, we are condemning what God has said. We're saying that really shouldn't have been said. God, that should not have been a law. And we're calling into question the command of God. Now, I think you would agree with me tonight. It's serious business whenever we call into question what God says. Would you not agree with me? When it comes to the Word of God, I was reading a clip out of the paper today about the Presbyterian Convention, how they were voting on an issue there. And I thought to myself when I read it, why do you vote on that? You don't vote on what the Bible says. You don't vote on what the Bible teaches. You don't call it into question. It's a serious thing when we question the laws of God and it's serious when we think we are not bound by the laws of God. But that's exactly what we do. When we tear someone down, we are calling into question the law of God. We are slandering the very law of God itself. Now that's serious business. But the second thing, 
Not only does it reveal our disregard of God's command, but it also reveals our disobedience to God's command, our disobedience of God's command. But you notice James not only said that we speak evil of the law and judge the law, but he also talked about keeping the law and doing the law. Now, no doubt when James talked about the law, he was referring to what he said in chapter 2, verse 8. Turn your page back and look at it there. You remember this verse? We looked at it. James said, if you fulfill the royal law, royal law meaning that this is a summary of the law, this says it all, this exalts the law in itself. If you fulfill the royal law according to the Scripture, royal law of loving your neighbor as thyself, to love one another, James is simply reminding, now this is the command of God. What God has commanded us to do is to love one another. What God has commanded us to do is to admonish one another. What God has commanded us to do is to edify one another, to love one another, to serve one another, to prefer one another. He said the royal law of God is loving thy neighbor as thyself. But when we, love, when we tear someone down, we are blatantly disobeying what God has told us to do or not to do. Am I not right? Are you listening? He tells us, love your neighbor. But here we are tearing our neighbor down. He says to him in verse 11, but if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. He's already talked to us about being a doer of the word, chapter 1, verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only. Now he says that when we slander others, we're not a doer of the word. We're not a doer of the commands of God. We are disobeyers rather than doers. One writer said that when we slander others, we are committing mutiny in God's kingdom. And another said that we're as guilty as shattering God's law as when Moses broke the tablets at Sinai. Let me put it in very simple words. When we talk about others, and, I'm, and, I'm, and, I'm, and when I mean talk about others, I'm talking... When we kind of, when we talk negative about someone else, and it may be true, it may not be true, but when we talk to, uh, about others to other people and we lessen that individual's esteem, of that individual, we do something and say something that hurts that person's name and hurts that person's character and hurts that testimony, we tear them down. It doesn't matter how we excuse it. It doesn't matter how we justify it. We can clothe it in a prayer request or concern or whatsoever. But in essence, we're saying that God's law doesn't apply to me. I am not bound by what God says. And we are defiantly and blatantly defying God's command. And friend, that is serious business in the eyes of God. Now, understanding what James says ought to make us think twice before we ever say anything negative about anybody else. James, in fact, the Bible tells us that everything we should say should be to the good of the edifying of the ones that hear it. Building someone up, not tearing them down. If there is something that we would say that would tear someone's name down, then we are disobeying God. We are defying in our hearts. It's like we're saying, Lord, I know what your Bible said, but I'm really not bound by what you said in your word. That is a serious thing. Amen? The final thing about this behavior that I want you to see is this. Not only a behavior in that we are disparaging and a behavior in that we are defiant, but I want to remind you that it's a behavior in that we are disqualified. You see, James not only reminds us of how serious slander is to tear down someone else. You said, I, I, wouldn't, I, wouldn't, I, I wouldn't say in God's law is not for me, but God says you are. 
very serious. But James reminds us that we lack the qualifications to pass judgment on others. We lack the qualifications to condemn others. Look what he said in verse 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and destroy. Who art thou that judgest thy brother? Now look at what James said in verse 12. Tells us two things. I break it all down in these two things. For one thing, he said, it's not our role to judge others. Notice verse 12, he reminds us that there is one lawgiver. There's no doubt who he's talking about. He's talking about God, amen? There is, he is the one, God is the one and the only lawgiver. You see the name lawgiver there? It is a word that speaks of one who puts his laws into place. And when James says he is the lawgiver, he's saying he is the one that put the laws into place. He's reminding us that we are not the ones who put the laws into place. Who in this room tonight is responsible for the moral laws that exist in this universe? Why is it that basically in every society of life, all societies are different and all cultures are different, but basically there's some things in every culture that men just know to be wrong. Why is that? There is a moral law that God put in this universe. Now, I didn't put it in the universe. You didn't put it in the universe. We have God's written law. Now, I ask you tonight, is there the author of the Bible in this room tonight? Did I write the Bible? Did anybody in this room write the Bible? No, not a one of us is the author of the Bible, the author of God's written law. You see, there is only one lawgiver, and there's only one giver of the law. There's only one who placed these laws. James tells us that the God who is the only one who is able, uh, the only one that the lawgiver is the only one who is able to save and destroy. You see that statement there? The ideal is that God is not only the giver of the law, but he is the one, he is the applier of the law. He's the only one that can give the law. He's the only one that can apply the law. He said, we're not a lawgiver. Therefore, it is not my role to judge. Therefore, second of all, it is not my right to judge. What he said in verse 12. Who art thou that judgest another? Now think with me about that statement for a moment. Every language is different. The Greek, English, Greek, whatever, Spanish, whatever it is, in the Greek language, one of the ways of emphasizing a word is to give it first place in the sentence when it would normally appear later in the sentence. But to put emphasis, they put the word first or give it first place in the sentence. For example, verse 12, the word that is written first is the word thou. You see that in that statement? Who art thou that judges one another? That is, the emphasis is being put upon the word thou. In other words, when you read verse 12 or read that statement there, we should read it this way. Who art thou that judgest another? Who do you think you are to judge another? James is saying since God is the one and the only lawgiver, who am I to judge someone else? Who am I to pass my opinions on? The law is not based on my opinion. It requires my obedience. And he's saying, since God is the lawgiver, I'm not the lawgiver. I'm not the one that put the laws in place. I'm not the one that applies the laws to save or to destroy. He said, we, who are we then 
Who are we? Who do we think we are when we sit in judgment on somebody else? Who are we to talk about others and pass judgment on their life? It's not our role. Therefore, it is not our right. In a nutshell, this is what James is saying. Who made you God? When you talk about somebody and put them down and speak of them in a negative way, I want to ask you a question. Who made you God? Who set you on the throne? Who exalted you in the place of the Lord? What right do we have to talk about others in a negative way? What right do we have to render our opinions about others? We're not God. But yet when we do talk about others, we are acting as if we are God. As one writer said, what we are saying is, move over, God. I'm taking your place. Now think with me just more. Are you still with me? The next time you're tempted to share a bit of gossip or to give your opinion about someone that is negative or to pass judgment on another, just ask yourself the question, who made me God? Who gave me the role of judging another? Who gave me a role of passing sentence on what they have done or what they haven't done? Who made me God to criticize them? Who gave me that right and who gave me that role? Let me sum up everything James had to say but reminding you what God says elsewhere in His Word. Let me give you these verses. I'll put them on the screen for you. We read in Leviticus chapter 19, verse 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people. Now get that picture. You get that, that picture easily come to your mind. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among the people. That is, you don't go from house to house to house. You don't get on the telephone and go from person to person and spreading the latest bit of gossip or all of these things. He said, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. He said, you don't go from house to house as a tailbearer tearing someone down. And even if they are guilty, remember, I am the Lord. I am the lawgiver. I am the one that passes sentence. You don't pass the sentence. Psalm 101, verse 5. Whoso privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. Him that hath a high look and a proud heart will not I suffer. In other words, I'm not going to tolerate slander is what God said. I think about how God describes the slander in Psalm 50. In Psalm 50, he talks about the wicked. He talks about the behavior of the wicked. And he describes the wicked in verses 19 and 20 in these words. Thou givest thy mouth the evil, and thy tongue frameth deceit. Thou sittest and speakest against thy brother. Thou slanderest thine own mother's son. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the wicked. He says slander is a mark of the wicked. But I think about Psalm 15. There in Psalm 15, God speaks of the godly man. He talks about the behavior of the godly man. And in Psalm 15, verse 3, we find these words. He that backbiteth not with his tongue, nor doeth evil to his neighbor, nor taketh up a reproach against his neighbor. Jane, or rather, Psalm 15, verse 3 said, A godly man does not backbite. He does not do evil to his neighbor. He does not take up reproach against his neighbor. A mark of a godly person is they're not guilty of slander. Many, I'm sure many of you remember your senior citizens a few years ago when we visited Appomattox, Virginia, where General Lee surrendered to General Grant. On April the 9th, 1865, General Lee got up early in the morning, put on his finest dress uniform, mounted his horse traveler, and rode away from his tired and battered troops 
to the little town of Appomattox where he was going to surrender his army to General Grant. When Lee rode off that day, he fully expected that his men were going to be herded like cattle in the railroad cars, taken to a Union prison, and he fully expected that he as their general would be tried and executed as a traitor. They did take his house. That's where the cemetery in uh, Arlington National Cemetery, that was General Lee's house and property. They did take that from him. But he expected to be tried and executed as a traitor. In the living room of the home where the vanquished and the victor met, you remember we walked in the door there and into that little room to the left where General Lee and General Grant met. Grant, Lee asked Grant what the terms of surrender were to be. And Grant said to Lee and told him that his men were free to take their horses. They couldn't take their guns, but they were free to take their horses with them and to go back to their farms. And he told General Lee that he was free to go home and began a new life. Lee pulled out his sword and offered it to Grant, but Grant refused his sword. And Lee heaved a sigh because he expected to be humiliated, but he was going to be able to leave with dignity and honor. Story is that as Grant watched Lee mount Traveler, the General Grant took off his hat and saluted his defeated enemy. General Lee was so deeply affected by the act and the actions of General Grant that as long as General Lee lived, he never allowed one critical word about Grant to be spoken in his presence. You say anything negative about, if you said anything negative about Grant, General Lee would have cut you off in a heartbeat. I think about what James had to say about slanders. As a believer, when I think about what he said about it, we ought to say and say, I am, we will not allow a negative word to be spoken in our presence about another individual. Amen? You say, well, listen, people come to me all the time. All you got to do is one time tell them, no, 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 no. I don't want to hear your garbage. I don't want to hear. Listen, I'm not, listen, I'm not going to, I'm not going to slander God's law and I'm not going to let you slander God's law to me. You do that one time, I don't think they'll call you anymore. Amen? Amen? Amen. Take your prayer sheet tonight. Look at our prayer list tonight. That's a couple of fascinating verses. I have enjoyed meditating on those and they've spoke deeply to my heart. Look at our prayer list tonight. Our missionary of the week, David and LaCara Smith, missionaries to Jamaica, serving with EMI. And I believe this is some of the missionaries, one of our missions, missionaries that we support here. But let's pray for the Smith family tonight. Church of the week is Calvary Baptist Church in Hickory, North Carolina. Uh, Pastor Bert Dixon, he's been to our conference the past two years and a good brother. Let's remember them tonight. And then, of course, the hospital list, Irma Whitfield. She was supposed to have been moved to NAC. Did she get moved today? Does anybody know if they moved Irma today? There was possibility she'd be moved to the nursing home today. Also, Dora Revels at Memorial Hospital, John Parks, Barbara Cole, Betty Hall at Hutchison, and then Jeanette Sylvie at Athens, uh, Georgia. And then a couple of special requests given, given to us tonight for Walker Bethune and for the Patton family. So let's remember all these things tonight. Let's come. Let's gather around the altar. Let's do this. As we come, we want to pray for our missionary of the week. We want to pray for our church of the week. But then we want to ask God tonight, Lord, give me a whole new attitude about talking negative about someone else.
in light of your word, Lord, give me a whole new attitude before I ever say anything negative about others. Will you do that? Let's all pray together as brothers and sisters in Christ. Let's pray for Sunday. I rejoice the good reports of the services on the Lord's Day. The youth, uh, the student faith, they had one saved on Monday night. Isn't that great? And we've got faith tomorrow night. Let's pray for our teams as they go out. Had two saved last Thursday night. Let's remember all these things. Father, tonight in Jesus' name, we thank you for your word. We ask you, Lord, now that we might be a hearer and a doer of the word of God. Father, in light of what James has to say about slander, Lord, give us a whole new attitude about even thinking about saying anything that would be damaging or disparaging of another. Father, if we can't say anything good, refrain our lips that we not say anything bad. Father, help us to submit ourselves to thy word in every little detail, even in how we talk about others. So take thy word, use it in our heart tonight. Now, Father, we pray for the Smith family serving you in Jamaica. We ask you to bless this couple, young couple, and use them for your honor and glory. Bless them there in their country. Open the hearts of Jamaicans in a country so steeped in witchcraft and so many things. Use them there as a bright light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray for Calvary Baptist in Hickory, North Carolina, Brother Bert Dixon. Thank you for him. What a good brother he is. Thank you, Lord, for his faithfulness to you and his faithfulness to your word and faithfulness in ministry. Bless Calvary Baptist tonight. Use them in the city of Hickory for your honor and glory. Bless Brother Dixon and his wife. Use them. And then we're mindful tonight, Lord, of those in the hospital. We pray for all of our members that are there, those that have been in the hospital in the past few weeks, those who've lost loved ones, all of the needs of our people. We pray you'd meet every need and touch them, Lord, and minister to them. Special request, we pray, Lord, for tonight that you'd meet those needs. And I know that if every special request given tonight is very important to someone in this room. And so I pray you would touch them and meet their need. Father, we ask you, Lord, to bless us on the Lord's day. Give us a great day. May the presence of God be with us. May the glory of God be among us. Bless tomorrow night as our faith teams go out. Give us a great night, a fruitful night. Thank you, Lord, for our student faith and the young people that are catching a burden about sharing their faith and win others, winning others to Christ. I pray tomorrow night you bless our adults as they go out. May it be a glorious time. Bless this place. May the hand of God be upon it. Guide us and direct us in everything. May we experience the very best that you have for us. Keep us faithful to you and faithful to your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed. Shake hands and fellowship as you leave tonight. Any visitors, let them know how glad we are to have them.